This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Conversations. Thanks again, Amit, for joining us and taking out the time. Thanks for calling me. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. So, to Amit, to start off with, I'm really curious about your method and the preparation that goes into the show. In fact, Jude, who you know, our producers worked with you. When he joined News Laundry, I would often bug him, like, you know, like, tell me how Amit Alma really prepares for the podcast. Is there some hack that, that all of us can also learn? So, just run us through, A, how do you pick, like, a subject or a guest? And what really happens between you picking a subject and recording the podcast? Yeah, so uh, I just follow my natural curiosities. Uh, one of my guiding principles for the show is that I don't really care about the news cycle. So just because something is in the news, I won't necessarily do it. My aim always is to not just reach across uh, uh, space in terms of, you know, have people around the world listen to me, but also reach across time and and create shows that you can listen to, say, 30 years later, and it'll still make a lot of sense uh, then. So I aim for those kind of timeless episodes. So even when I do something that is in the news, I will, uh, uh, you know, I let it marinate for a bit. I won't rush into it. Everybody's expecting I'll get hits, instant comments. I'll marinate a bit. I'll figure out the appropriate people to talk to, do my own research, uh, kind of do all of that. And um, only then kind of really uh, uh, get into it. So I follow my own... um, interest but what it also does is uh, that it's it forces me to broaden my interests where i read more than i would whereas earlier i might you know come across a book on a subject and say huh sounds interesting but now i'll say huh sounds interesting could there be an episode in this which therefore forces me to pick up the book and read it and as far as research is concerned I've kind of moved towards like in, in Jude's time back in the day uh, when I was with IBM a couple of years, still a couple of years back, it was, I used to do 90 minute episodes, two hour episodes. Now I ask them for four hours of their time. My episode with the great Abhinandan Sekri was I think around four hours. I recorded an episode a couple of days back in my home studio, which was five hours, 15 minutes of talk time. Uh, so uh, the idea is that you just settle back, chill out really relax and get get into it. A lot of that, of course, is also about knowing the guest and just having a conversation with them that goes over their life, their influences, where they grow up, all of that stuff. But also, whatever subject I'm doing, I need to uh, sort of have de- a sufficient background of it to be able to engage in a conversation and take it in different directions. And I find the show forces you to do that because, you know, if you're doing a five minute interview, you don't even have to read the book. You can just ask standard cookie cutter questions. If you're doing a half an hour interview, maybe you read the book, but you don't have to do much else. You can read the author's bio on Wikipedia. If I do a four hour thing, I really want to kind of go deep. So when I, I did a couple of episodes on Gandhi with uh, Ramchandra Guha, when his book came out, and uh, I read some 30 books on Gandhi for that. And of course, I'd read some of them before. I have natural interest in Gandhi. So I kind of reread those. But um, typically, I'll read not just a book, which might be the peg for the moment, but also everything else the author has written. And fortunately, I have a reading habit and I can read pretty fast. And uh, uh, yeah, and if you guys want, at some point, I can show you my note-taking system. I can share the screen and do that if you guys want. I'll come to that. But uh, mm. I mean, so, see, 30 books is a lot. So, and mm. you do, I don't know. If That's a one time. I don't do it every time. But, yeah, yeah. So I, I, know, I don't know if you've taken like breaks or if seen and unseen has ever been on breaks. But you do have, like, like right now the show is weekly. So do you keep enough episodes in bank to sort of give you some buffer area to... Uh, so that you are able to go through those research and go through those books? 
uh firstly i i don't read 30 books for every episode sometimes it's a couple of books sometimes there's no book like when i spoke to abhinandan you know there's no book but there is you know i'm i'm going over a lot of interviews that he's done on youtube and i'm trying to get a sense of his life and i'm just sitting back and thinking about all the stuff i want to ask him about because there's a lot in common there's a media right there's a media we are pretty much the same age he's a few months younger than me so um uh, there is that shared experience of growing up in the 90s as india was changing in a particular way so there are many interesting things to talk about the his journey itself is interesting but a lot of it is not so much the hardcore research but just the openness to sit back and uh, listen and just get into someone's uh, journey and not be obsessed with what is the structure what do i talk about next uh, so that's part of it and it's always been weekly i think i missed a week at one point because of diwali in one of the early years but the show was very different then but now i tend not to miss an episode now my modus operandi before uh, covid was i would go to a city record a bunch of episodes so i would have a bank like uh, in 2020 in january i went to bangalore for a week recorded five episodes uh, i went to delhi for two weeks recorded 10 episodes uh, so i had a bank so even after covid started i didn't have to record remotely for a while with covid i gradually actually got onto a week by week schedule and uh, part of it was just uh, you know what envy times uh, called uh, languishing i just couldn't you know have i didn't have the energy to just bank a lot of episodes and get a lot of work done i was going week on week uh, but now that things are hopefully normalizing there was some news of a variant in south africa today but now that things are hopefully getting back to normal i'm starting to travel again i was in delhi last week did five episodes in five days in fact i've done recorded seven in the last uh, 13 days and i'm recording three more in the next 10 days so the idea now is to like by that you know by the time those three are over i'll be back till february and the idea is to then give myself some space and kind of kind of do uh, other stuff so yeah so th- that's the plan except that pre covid when i was traveling episodes would be like 2 hours 2 and a half hours now there are all these 4 hour long deep dives and uh, uh, which is really worked for uh, you know me and my listeners so um, that just requires a whole different mindset even if sometimes a research may not be that much more um, yeah. it's still just have just talking for 5 hours with someone and you have to be focused throughout right being a host is tough so what i'm doing now just answering questions is easy you sit back people ask you answer but what you are doing is much tougher because you you are having to figure out what is the structure how much time is gone what do i ask next uh, you know all of those things so uh, that saps away a little bit of energy but it's incredibly rewarding correct with with avinandan i really hope you asked him about cricket because one of his mantras about cricket is that it's a game and not a sport <laughs> but anyway, i uh, you should have told me that before i mean but uh, so uh, no mention of cricket but hey how much can you cover in 4 hours yeah just not enough time he really looks down he really looks down upon cricket uh, he keeps saying it's it's a game and not a sport next time next time i, I will i will set him right okay so i mean on the guest part because you know your po- podcast episodes often end up stretching like 2 3 4 hours uh, so uh, the guest or whoever is the interview they really need to feel comfortable with you during the conversation and i'm guessing uh, a lot of people you speak with they are people with Uh, who you've hung out before you've known them from the past but as the sort of podcast expands i'm sure a lot of people you're interviewing you're speaking to them the first time so is there a conscious effort to make them feel comfortable because in say like a 3 year 4 year time slot they're also going through their like they're also doing self reflection so what is it that you do as a host to like make them feel comfortable do you speak them prior to the podcast like what is that process like i think one of the things in uh, one of the ways in which the show has evolved is that 
like early on you're right in my first year you're bang on i it was you know I, it was a show about policy i would speak to policy people i knew and it was kind of those kind of circles um and uh, the length was much 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 shorter but as it kind of expanded it took a life of its own and now the show is known enough that most of the people i ask i mean i don't know most of the people i record with prior to recording with them uh, but they know of the show they know what it requires so they come prepared which is really nice because i'll ask them a question and then they'll just open up so like every week i feel so fortunate that people trust me enough to just sit back and open up uh, with me now what uh, the long length gives me the privilege to try out the opportunity to try out is that i'm not short of time right so uh, what i like to do therefore is i begin by talking about um, uh, the guest herself that you know what was your journey uh, how, where did you grow up what was school like and all of that and when people talk about their childhood there's a moment where they kind of relax and they're just talking and you can discover you both read enid blyton as a kid or you can discover that or you can laugh about hey you know people take the internet for granted it used to take us weeks to put a mixtape together and uh, uh, you find those commonalities and once they trust you enough and 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 they kind of uh, you know uh, open up uh, that does a couple of things number one that when you actually get to the themes you want to talk about whether you know like in abhinandan's case it was media and um, uh, politics and all of that but uh, in a writer's case it might be the book that he's just finished writing but he's already opened up so much that he goes beyond the usual sound bites that he might have prepared for other interviews and and they just talk and the most uh, important aspect is for the listener because for the listener like let's say i'm doing an episode with someone who's written a book on nehru so you broadly know nehru and you broadly know okay interesting subject ye hoga wo hoga but in the first hour uh, the guest is humanized before you it is a real person with real problems real insecurities real childhood you might have read some of the stuff they've written you relate or to the stuff they're talking about and that humanizing is important because it then opens you up to everything that they say subsequently so even if you don't agree say with a person's view on nehru uh, you will not like in our modern polarized discourse nobody is human right Every, uh, especially on twitter and social media and all of that we are quick to judgment if someone disagrees with us they are by default evil and must be abused uh, whereas uh, uh, these kind of conversation what it makes disagreements completely okay you can like someone and disagree with them as i often do on the show so um, uh, so you know so that's the other effect that it has of uh, uh, you know the kind of directions that i'm able to go in because of that correct correct and tell me this like how do you organize your research like i'm i'm like of course you read a lot and a lot of those readings are specifically for a, a particular guest or a certain episode so do you have like a have like do you have a method how do you organize your research especially because i this is something i struggle with uh, and because a lot of our reading these days happen online on kindle or you'll read an article what i struggle with is like absorbing enough to remember it say like a year later or even a month later so is it something that you also struggle with especially because a lot of it has to do directly with your work yeah absolutely it's a struggle and uh, it's a more of a struggle for me because uh, uh, you know i'm in my uh, mid to late 40s and the way past the the, the way of getting past is what uh, tiago forte calls building a second brain that our brains are not really uh, uh, made to be information retention machines our brains are very impressionistic things come in they get retained in all kinds of strange ways without uh, rational connections um, and so on so tiago forte's concept is you use 
technology to build a second brain. Um, a lot of elements to that, but what I do for my research is I use a note-taking app now called Rome Research. I've been using it for a year. And I find that to be a complete game changer uh, in terms of just organizing information. And what I often do for my shows is that I don't do the research too much prior to the show. I try to do it as close to the recording as possible. So not only are all my notes in front of me, but all my thoughts about the book or about whatever I'm talking about are really fresh. So it might appear to listeners that, hey, Amit remembers everything. But actually, it's really recent. It's in front of me. And I would have forgotten it by next week. Um, so that's kind of how it is. But, uh, you know, I, I think what happens... Uh, in life is that look all the knowledge around us it gives us like I, I i i think about how we make sense of the world by connecting dots everything we read all the knowledge we gather they're all different dots the more dots we have the more high definition picture we'll have now the thing is we don't explicitly remember most of these dots but just uh, taking in this knowledge imbibing it without realizing it does make our picture of the world uh, a little clearer over time i would imagine which is why i evangelize reading so much i think it's so incredibly important but even for people who don't have the time to read because you know people often don't have the privilege that they can make free time in their lives you've yeah. got work you've got family you've got all of that what do you do but one way of getting past that is listening to audio because if you're commuting working out doing errands you can listen to podcasts like the news laundry podcast and hopefully mine and that's a completely legit way of getting knowledge what is important is that you you you're thinking about the world you're getting knowledge and all of that is happening so correct what was the name of the app uh, again it's called rome research r o m uh, r o a m uh, research uh, it's a paid app it costs 15 dollars a month uh, you want me to share my screen and show you i can do yeah, that yeah yeah sure sure that would be great yeah yeah of course yeah, okay. So this was for an episode I did with Rukmini S in December last year. And by the way, she's a fantastic data journalist and a fantastic journalist, period. And she's coming out with a book that I think releases December 6th. So uh, uh, what Rome Research does is it allows nested entries. For example, I start with the personal. So I have a little bit here. And, uh, you know, and I can just click and go deeper and deeper. So like, what is her background? I've written some things here and, uh, you know, um, uh, stuff like that, but not so much here, you know, a few questions here, questions on the political economy. But what is more important is she does this great podcast called The Moving Curve, which is a daily podcast where every day during COVID, she tackled a question about COVID. So um, I wanted to examine that. And uh, so, so there are these sort of questions. Now, there were many big questions she tackled. So hmm. I can open this and I can see all the big questions that, okay, rights and privacy are 20 and 21, left, right binaries are 22 and 23. And if I want to dig further in the context of like hydroxychloroquine is 65, missing deaths is 80. I got all that down pat. You know, every episode, for example, she would talk about, uh, she would ask a question. And once you start writing them down, you realize a trend that initially they are simple questions like, why aren't we wearing masks? How are hospitals treating the virus? And later you go to deeper questions like, what will this mean for our disease landscape, for Dalits, for women? All of these kind of come into play. The and questions are nesting within like topics. In they're all nesting within. And the other thing that Rome has is bi-directional linking. So for example, here's a great quote from her. Poor people report uh, more illness, but less hospitalization, right? Very interesting. What if I want to save it? So what I then do is what Rome allows you to do is you can just uh, sort of you know, uh, there's a thing called quotes. Now this is hyperlinked. If I click on the quotes page, I have kind of all my quotes here, not just general quotes, but across 
subjects and uh, kind of categories uh, and they are all kind of uh, put together here as uh, you can see so now let me click on uh, so i did an episode with ghazala wahab on uh, uh, born a muslim and uh, so which is a fabulous book and and this is kind of the structure of a book right these are her chapters but within each of that i can take notes like what is she talking about and here i have like i take the bullet point agra mohalla but if i want the actual quote there is a quote you know i keep telling my uh, writing students about how you should show and not tell so at one point she talks about her grandfather's love for the grandkid she called her grandfather abba and typically you'd say something like if you're telling the reader you'd say something like our grandfather loved us a lot but she chose to show and not tell and it's a lovely sentence during winter he used to shell pine nuts during the day so he could reward us with fistful of shell nuts in the evening were really nice image and exact uh, you know much more uh revelatory so this was so you know so within each chapter there are all these points and i'm digging in and laying it out like this allows me to see her structure and for our conversation i didn't want to follow her structure necessarily i wanted the beginning to be all personal and that's like 90 minutes of wonderful conversation she really opened up but after that i wanted to go chronologically while in the book she doesn't so i wanted to start with the story of indian islam and then after these three then come to muslims in independent india and kind of get into all of those now you the advantage broader, you do have a broader skeleton uh, skeleton and but the advantage of this is see like earlier i would have 30 pages of uh, notes in microsoft word and there the problem is that if she mentions something that i have a note on it's hard for me to find it i'll be doing control f and looking for it i'll be scrolling up and down but here at some point say she mentions the status of women so i can just click here you know and uh, you know if if she's talking about double victimization i can straight away go here and here is her kind of quote on it right and so uh, it kind of becomes much easier to uh, find that way so typically i'll have these multiple sections where there'll be a personal section there'll be a book section there'll be broader questions which come at the end and uh, that's kind of how it goes so uh, should i stop the share or do you have questions yeah. about yeah. i can stop so, the no, share so my quick question so, so, hmm. so let's just say do you do like a similar exercise after you're done reading a book also where you just like sort of put in your thoughts or what could you what could your take be uh, uh yeah i i try to take notes during non fiction uh, and i think it helps me retain the information i don't do it during fiction i just enjoy i just read fiction to kind of enjoy because there is a problem in this process also so when i'm reading the book every time i take a note and i have of course taken like copious notes right i'm drilling in and in and in every time i take a note uh, i'm mentally shifting my attention from reading to taking the note going back to reading and it's sometimes a little irritating sometimes you just want to read so at least for fiction i don't do this but for non fiction or i might be watching interesting lectures or videos or conversations on youtube if something strikes me i'll i'll kind of make a note like this the other thing is like i created that quotes ka tag which was hyperlink but you don't always have to do that i can literally put any word here and it will uh, sort of um, uh, you know like i've typed liberal here so everywhere where i mentioned liberal yeah, it's it's like a wikipedia of your own thoughts and notes yeah yeah and everything is linked to uh, sort of everything else but uh, so amit you've been uh, seen and unseen i you've been doing this for more than 4 years now 5 uh, almost 5 yeah uh, start of 2017 correct so i know there is an um, anthology coming and a lot of people keep asking you also that when it will be out so maybe you can answer that but uh, how do you see the legacy of seen and unseen is it more like a history record or 
do you see it as an archive of your own intellectual journey like let's just say like how would you want 10 years down the line hopefully you're still doing the podcast but how is it that you want the show to be seen in history yeah like like i said that's a good question and like i said earlier i want this to uh, sort of not just be a show of the current time but 30 years later you can listen to something like you can listen to the episode with abhinandan for example which uh, comes out next monday december december 6 and you, i i think an episode like that gives you a really good sense of the person that he is uh, right i mean in his case of course he's very straightforward anyway what you see is what you get but with a lot of the guests that's kind of the aim that one you try to capture the person and you get a sense of the person through the episode uh and two you also get a sense of uh sort of the way a certain issue was thought about at a particular point in time by the experts of the time or a lot of deep background like you know after uh, 370 was abolished i uh, did an episode with srinath raghavan on that on kashmir which uh, went viral after caa uh, happened i did another episode with srinath on that um, and uh, a lot of my and i've done a bunch of episodes on the constitution with people like madhav khosla uh, so a lot of those sort of uh, encapsulate uh, 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 you know a lot of rich historical material which immediately give you a lot of background knowledge about a subject but even though my uh, tend uh, tendency is to follow my own intellectual curiosity i won't say it's a record only of my intellectual curiosity because these curiosities are sh- shared by so many of us especially in these times where this is stuff that matters to me and therefore it will matter to many other people why is our country the way it is why why is our why is our politics come to this why is our society so fractured in the way that it is today what can be done about it these are things that everybody cares about different people are thinking about it in different ways and those thoughts are dispersed all over the place so in my quest to kind of understand this a little better i think it you know so everybody is like a fellow traveler in that and it's it's just interesting for that reason so i hope that um, you know it has that kind of uh, uh, timeless value to it but more than what it will like you know so one of my friends shruti rajgopalan was starting her own podcast and she had come to me for advice and what i told her was don't think of what people will think of your show on episode 1 think of what people will binge on when they reach episode 100 so if they discover you when you've done your 100th episode they should go mad with joy because there are 99 other episodes to binge on so that's one way of looking at it that you're creating that sort of repository of knowledge and thinking and ideas and uh, so on and so forth but even apart from that i think the attempt is that everyone who is following and i won't just say my podcast i'll say your podcast as well other serious podcasts other books you know you want to create uh, an ecosystem of thinkers who are thinking about the world engaging with the world and all of that and uh, whatever effects those might have are you know kind of unseen but i'd hope that i can kind of you know uh, be equivalent to a few pin pricks in that effort correct um so i mean i think i think one of the reasons why the show really sort of stands out is like uh how like like the kind of connection you make with the interviewee or the guest like you really by the time you you are done with the podcast you really know the person and and their life journey but do you think it will be fair to say that sometimes you also because i think the idea is to make them feel comfortable if you're speaking to them like for 3 hours or 4 hours do you think it will be fair to say that sometimes you also avoid issues or subjects that might make them comfortable i know you've addressed this in the past where i think someone had asked you that you're not contrarian enough and you had said that's not your style and so on and so forth but uh 
if if you just look at like two of the podcasts and because i work in media like the podcast with barkhadat or veer sangvi for that matter didn't really touch upon uh, the neera radia tapes whereas if you're talking about their work and if you're talking about journalism in general like the past few decades that subject does come up especially with these two people it comes up very often so do you think it's a conscious decision or you took a call that maybe this is not interesting this is not interesting enough in their life journey yeah good question uh, and i'll uh, answer the specific aspect of it before going to the general aspect that in so what happened with veer was that when radia happened i got a very negative impression of him and i generally had a slightly negative impression of him and uh, when the book came out i was like no i don't really want to do this episode that that was my first thought uh, then i read the book and i was so charmed by the first half because it was self deprecatory it was witty it was funny it hit a lot of right chords but i was like what about radia and then there's a chapter on radia in the book and i read the chapter on radia and i said okay this kind of uh explains it and you can read the chapter for yourself and kind of see and i said okay i'll give him the benefit of the doubt in uh, this instance uh, that one it's a combination that uh, the uh, the tapes were tampered with and the court ruled as much uh, though it took many years for it to do that and, and also for the indiscretions that he did commit which were not as serious as the tampered tapes make out he did apologize and he did he, he was very self reflective about it now my plan actually was to ask it in the episode to ask it towards the end but i think we reached 3 hours for us whatever the length was we reached the end of that and like typically what will happen is you saw the uh, amount of copious notes that i have in an episode right uh, i i don't manage to cover everything that was one of the things that didn't get covered but i thought that was okay because his book addresses it um, pretty specifically and i didn't need to go there uh, with barkha what i uh, my real focus was not even on her entire journey but really what why i wanted to do the episode was to get a sense of how changing circumstances can change a person like i think in certain way she has changed in the last few years she wasn't a friend of mine before this even now we you know we haven't uh, really hung out or anything like that so we're not friends but um, uh, there, there there was a sense and many people who've known her in the past and have worked with her and may not have liked her style said that she's changed adversity changes you things happen in these times so um, so my focus was so much there that the whole question of uh, radio simply uh, didn't come up and 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 people don't realize they think my episodes are long i'm covering everything uh, they don't realize how much i don't manage to cover uh, so like i didn't talk about cricket with niku for example uh, so uh, now as far as the other question is concerned is number one i you know somebody asked do you disagree with your uh, why don't you disagree with your guess the truth is i disagree in every single episode if you listen carefully it's just that i'm not doing it in the twitter style it's not combative it's not abusive it's not aggressive so people don't realize when i'm disagreeing like i uh, and also there my aim is not to be constantly combative my aim is not to look for gotcha moments ki sir aapne ye kaha tha 6 mahine pehle aaj aapne ye kaha hai there's no point to that that that's just a tamasha that's a spectacle and sometimes it is important to do that to keep public service uh, public servants accountable but that's not what i'm trying to do here uh, but uh, i ask all the tough questions like i had arvin subramanian on my show uh, i asked him about demonetization i expressed my feelings about it being the largest assault on property rights in human history i think demon was a crime on humanity he was chief economic advisor at the time i asked him about that he gave an answer i wasn't satisfied with the answer i uh, asked him another question he answered that as well and then i moved on right so it's a 3 hour episode where we spent 15 minutes on demon but this people have got it you know the listeners 
they they've heard my point of view phrased through my questions and they know what i think about it they've heard his point of view they can judge for themselves there's no point harping on over the same thing again and again so in that sense it is not that i um that i don't push back i i i push back i disagree a lot i express my disagreement but it's done really politely and because they can see that it's coming from this position where i'm not trying to pass judgment on them and all of that uh, uh you know they are equally polite they adjust to that uh, kind of medium and uh, but there are like i remember i did one episode with uh, uh, jaitheet rao uh, who wrote a book on indian conservatism and um i disagreed with a lot of the book uh, and um, uh, so we did an episode and after the episode uh, he was super happy with the episode and really delighted with the way it went his friend said that thank you for giving him a platform to you know say what he has to say and people who agree with me uh, on the issues we discussed called me and said ki amit bhai you demolished him you know aapne dikha diya but the point was that was not the point the point was i i made it a space where both of us could say what we wanted to say put our points of view forward and let the listeners decide right and that is what the discourse should be like typically what is the discourse on twitter people are not addressing an argument they're not talking about ideas and policies they're talking about people they get they're getting personal that you know if chitranshu doesn't agree with me about uh, say uh, you know uh, my opinion if he doesn't agree with my opinion on the film dune then he is a bad person he is an evil person i will quote tweet him and i will be snarky and i will shit on him and i will take screenshots and i will coordinate on whatsapp with other people in my tribe and i will make sure he's trolled to hell that's to it that's twitter for you that's on my show my show is hey man <laughs> you know yeah. t- tell me why you disagree let's talk about dune properly that's my style so so last question before i start taking in questions from our subscriber you know as as sort of podcast grows further i'm sure i don't know if if you're looking at it this way the podcast also becomes like a platform where uh the the reach of the podcast is way bigger than the reach or the like like the the reach of the person who you're interviewing so in that way uh, has it happened with you or do you think you will be conscious as to who's the person who are you giving a platform and i'm asking this not in something that's unique to you but so for example like bill maher shows right he gets a lot of flack uh because he would often call like speakers or politician that let's just say the liberal audience might not agree with so for do you think you will ever have like a filter as to who is allowed on the show and who is not allowed on the show and so for example just to put you on the spotlight now let's just say someone like uh, uh, kapil mishra for that matter right like we know that he stands for a certain uh, certain ideology and certain style of politics and 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 and, and certain belief which let's just say you don't agree with so how far are you willing to engage in a conversation with that person when you where do you draw the line that okay just putting the person on the platform will make him reach more people yeah first of all okay couple of things there first of all i uh, you know if you put a person on a platform people can make up their own minds i don't really think that uh, uh, every uh, people aren't stupid it's not people aren't sheep they're not going to believe what somebody says automatically just because that person has access to them they'll think for themselves so i have some respect for my listeners that way uh, secondly there are people i will never call on the show but the reason for that is not some kind of social responsibility that oh i have a big platform i don't want these people on my show the reason for that is my own values there are people who are so far beyond the pale that i will not have them on the show i don't want to engage and typically these are extremists 
on uh, both uh, the right and the left so like a kapil mishra i would not call him to the show uh, i i would not call people like that now the the, the other angle here uh, and and by the way there are you know people i disagree with a lot who i have called on the show who've been amazing people like i had a great conversation with kavita krishnan now she's a communist right and i believe in free markets and uh, as strong disagreements as can are possible in economics but she's a remarkable woman she's a very good human being you know her body of work is very powerful people contain multitudes you can't just say i disagree with you on this therefore you're a bad person so i called her on the show and for once i took a decision ki economics ke bare matlab i'm not expressing my i'm i'm not talking about economics we'll we'll talk about those disagreements some other day but i want to talk about her journey and get to know her a little better and and i just feel it's a lovely episode because she also trusted me and opened out and it was a great conversation but there are uh, Uh, you know my what i find really repugnant in these modern times is the identical identity politics on both sides like i said i think you know to again invoke whitman people contain multitudes and when you tie them down to a particular identity whether you are you know uh, you're a muslim love jihadi or you are uh, a sisset savarna or whatever whether it comes from the bhaks or the woks i think that kind of uh, thinking is reductive it ties you down to narratives of oppression or victimhood i have a problem with that i strongly believe in the primacy of the individual think of every person as a unique individual and give them the respect they deserve on that basis so there are certain people whose politics is beyond the pale who i would not call on the show uh and there are also other people i would not call on the show not because i don't think i would have good conversations with them but if for example they are in government right they are simply not going to open up and be honest they are you know they will stick to the party line and uh, they will uh, uh, you know stick to their the, the, the stick to the posturing you know and i don't you know and and you ca- you can't have a great conversation that way a great conversation at some level has to enter that zone of some kind of honesty where you're not at one point worried about what will people think if i say this and second guess yourself and stick to a particular you know script or narrative but that you really open up and have a conversation so that's definitely there but yeah i mean there are you know the couple mishras of the world yeah you know i i would not uh, sort of have them on the show obviously great the next question is from dr neha in these times of the so called 5 minute attention span what made amit believe that such a relaxed format would work uh i did not believe such a relaxed format would work when i started my 5 years ago my impression i didn't listen to podcasts then so my impression was short attention span you got to grab them in the first 15 seconds you know i had one episode which was 11 minutes i thought 20 minutes was optimal don't go beyond that but then i realized three things uh one people who listen to podcasts and it's a smartphone revolution that really made podcasts take off and so the smartphone is key here one people who listen to podcasts listen to it uh, when they are uh, commuting working out or doing errands these are your three main use cases in each of these there are a captive audience so if i'm watching a video on youtube i can just do alt tab click on another of the 800 tabs i'll have open turn my head talk to a friend pick up a book that's a pick up my smartphone but if i'm out jogging and i've chosen to listen to something i'm a captive audience two people uh, typically listen at higher speeds like the brain can actually comprehend language at 500 words a minute we speak like my um, 
standard speaking sp- uh, speed is about 160 words a minute. So it's very easy to listen at higher speeds. I listen to everything at 2x or more. And if you haven't done that, you might think, oh, it'll be squeaky. I'll miss something. No, it isn't. You know, take it to 1.2, let that normalize. Take it to 1.4, let it normalize. Keep doing that till you've reached what, whatever is your final comfort zone. And you'll find you cannot listen at normal speed ever, ever again. So it's really easy. And the third important factor is that people crave depth. Right. Um, and, and the same people crave depth. It's not that some people are shallow, some people are deep. All of us have moments where we have short attention spans and moments where we want to sit down and engage and really find something out. And the rest of the media around you ignores this, you know, for all kinds of incentives. You know, the incentives of news television, for example, they give you shallow content. They are a mile wide and, and an inch deep. So if you want depth, where do you go? And podcasts give that and people really appreciate that. Right. So where, where they really, you know, if some, like 370 gets abolished, they want to know the history of this damn 370. What are the different sides of the issue? How has it played out over the decades? They don't want shouty sound bites on television panel shows with 16 people on, on a screen uh, and nobody knows anything about the subject anyway. So there is this craving for depth. So as I realized this and as the episode length went up, I mean, there's a massive correlation between length and popularity on my podcast where my most popular episodes are really among the longest, not because length alone makes a difference, but whenever I'm recording, one of the ways in which I calibrate when to end it is how interesting it is to me. So if I have gone on for a really long time, it is possible, you know, it's it's because I was really enjoying the conversation and therefore it's likely that the a uh, listener also will enjoy it. So I'd say that those misconceptions I had uh, up until fairly recently, short attention span and keep it, those don't apply. People, you know, people don't underestimate the listeners out there, the people out there. Everyone is not a Republic TV viewer, um, uh, you know, or as... Um, uh, Abhinandan would appreciate my saying this. Everybody is not an Op India reader. There are people who want quality, who want depth. So, uh, you know, respect that. And, uh, you, you know, you will find they really appreciate you if you can give it to them. Correct. Uh, next up, we have Devna. Devna, do you want to go ahead? Why did you change from Sunday to Monday, by the way? Why? I mean, any reason? Because, uh, you know, dropping it on Sunday, Sunday is an um, easier day work-wise. And, uh, you know, one could finish it within that. But, you know, Monday is... Uh, uh, any, why, why did it... Was I, it just I, logistics? Sorry. I sorry can't, uh, yeah, I can't remember. I think logistics was part of it. But uh, I can't exactly remember. But what I... Like, see, early on, I was Monday when I was when I started with IBM. And their research showed that Monday is the best day to do it, apparently. So everything they released was on Mondays at the time. Uh, and later on, when I went on my own, at one point, I shifted to Sunday because I thought Sunday morning, hoga, log sunenge, it's easier. Uh, I can't remember why I shifted back to Monday, but I had some reasons. Ah, but I, okay. I, I figured okay. if someone wants to listen on a Sunday, they can just wait. You know, yeah, and, yeah. yeah, It's okay. It's okay. Thanks. Thanks so much. Tom. You're most welcome. Great. Next up, we have Samir. Uh, Samir, could you go ahead? Okay, I'll quickly ask Samir's question. He's asking, when is the anthology coming out? Yeah, good question. This is completely my fault. I've kind of during COVID, I've just become, you know, people look from the outside, they see, oh, every week there is a podcast coming, writing courses happening, so productive. I've been incredibly uh, unproductive. Large periods of the day are just me uh, sitting in front of the laptop screen, either playing online chess or uh, 
um, you know, getting into YouTube rabbit holes while at the same time stressed ki ye karna hai. So basically to cut a long story short, I had to go through all my, I, you know, I got a bunch of transcripts made. I had to go through them and uh, uh, curate the best bits and assign them into themes. And I haven't had the time because week on week, I was just doing the podcast. Now, in fact, one of the advantages of banking all the episodes, like I mentioned, I've done is that by December 12th, I will have enough episodes that I don't need to record again till Feb. Though I do have a cup, uh, an episode lined up in on Jan 14th, uh, but I don't actually need to record till Feb. And that gives me the luxury of then now sitting out and in a really directed manner, just getting this done. So that is really the plan for uh, December, Jan, that just curate this and kind of get the anthology out. It's entirely my fault. My publishers are amazing and very supportive and uh, don't harangue me about it at all. Uh, so it's me who is at fault here and I will, um, uh, you know, make sure I get it done soon. Okay. Uh, next up, we have Daniel. Daniel, you want to go ahead? Yeah. Hey, Chitranshu, I was just uh, requesting if Jude could read out the answer. I hear his voice has many fans. If Jude could read out the question, you the mean? Question, the question, yeah, sorry. The question. He, he can read out the answer also. <laughs> I'm cool. <laughs> Jude, are you there? Yeah, I am here. Great. So go ahead. Hey, Amit, tell us more about your brush with poker, chess, and what level you consider yourself really good. An expert, question mark. How do you divide time between hobbies and still accommodate all the reading you do? So, uh, I, I, actually, if you want detailed answers to this, especially about poker, in episode 200 of my uh, uh, podcast, which is um, five hours long, I do speak about this because I was a special episode proctored by... Um, uh, a friend Shruti Rajgopal and she basically got questions from about 30 of my guests including like Ram Guha, Harsha Bhogle and all of that and they asked me questions and I answered so I've spoken at length about poker but broadly uh, the, the thing with chess is I was you know in the late 80s early 90s I, I used to play chess at the junior level pretty seriously but then I realized at about 18, 19 that I can't be an Anand and at that time if you can't be an Anand there's no point because uh, uh, you can't make a living otherwise no, there was nothing there so I moved on and I stopped playing chess so now I play a lot of online chess but I play it just for recreation I'm not serious about it though I love playing the new variants that come up because they sort of equalize the field a bit the previous theory doesn't matter and you have to work out each game from first principles which I really enjoy and which I I think I'm good at. So I do a bit of that. Uh, with poker, I was a professional poker player for about five years between 2010 and 2015. I, in fact, wrote uh, the first column on poker in a mainstream newspaper. I, I uh, For about a year, I wrote a column on poker in the Economic Times. Um, and if you, it, was, it, it was called Range Rover. So if you just go to indiauncut.com and search for Range Rover, you'll find those. Uh, so I was pretty serious about it um, because, you know, it is a game of skill. Uh, but at the same time, it's it's this unique kind of game, which is on the intersection of being a game of skill, a science, a, a sport, whatever, and on one hand, and on the other hand, being pure gambling. And I have seen lives destroyed on the circuit by gambling addiction. And at some level, it just got really dark. And I, you know, I was a winning player throughout, but I just felt that uh, it felt a little bit murky. So I always imagined that the winners stay in the game, the losers eventually drop out. And when I left, I realized that counterintuitively, it is the losers who stay because they're addicted. They can't help themselves. They stay till they lose everything and more. And it's the winners who eventually leave after a point because they're winners because they're naturally, you know, sharp people, smart people, and, and they're good at other things also, and they kind of move on. So that was kind of how it was. In terms of skill, 
it's really hard to say i was profitable in the underground cash games i played in india i did a little bit of the asian circuit um, uh, you know a lot of macau and you know following the appt and the apt where they went in philippines and all that um so i did a bit of that in tournament play and in india the underground cash games and so on uh, so i mean i was profitable now good is you know it's it's really hard to speak of absolutes i retired in 2015 i've played a little bit recreationally and always kind of won at small stakes now but if i was to get back into poker today i don't think uh, i'd be uh, uh, you know as as much near the top as i was earlier because the game has moved on a tremendous amount and i'd have to just really work very hard to um, get my level up there and uh, you know and now the game theory is really advanced and you just need to work a lot with solvers and simulators and just get a deep mathematical theoretical understanding of the game and the thing with a game like poker is that ultimately there is you know when you sort of watch it on tv or the way it's portrayed in popular media you think that there's a space for individualism that different people play in different ways and there's a role for style and all that but actually it all comes down to the math and there really isn't if you're playing properly so that also diminishes some of the uh, attraction uh, of it uh, for me yeah that's okay. uh, uh, i'll quickly go through because we are almost running out of time and there are a lot of questions so amit try if you can give like shorter answers also got it uh, uh next up is samir samir do you want to go ahead okay i'll quickly read out samir's question what topics themes you think you haven't covered enough and would love to explore in the future um i mean i don't know because if there was something i felt i hadn't covered i would kind of be scheduling it right away so i don't um, uh off hand i can't really um uh, think of anything uh, specific so i just keep going where my curiosity takes me and my hope is that you know by next year this time i would have covered things and learnt about things which i am not thinking of right now so it's like an ongoing process so nothing really comes to mind about uh, things i'd really like to go into but very briefly one of the things i do avoid is i avoid uh, foreign guests now i've had foreign guests and names like steven pinker and tyler cowen and matt ridley on my show but now i try to avoid them because they already have platforms they already appear on all these great uh, podcasts in the west and their ideas won't necessarily be new to my listeners so what i do try to focus on is get people on the show to whom a lot of whom a lot of my listeners may not have heard or may not know so much and they may not have be, had access to uh, so many platforms and kind of try to do that but all the while staying true to my intellectual curiosities and here a final line i know you asked me to be brief but the the final thing i'd say is that my show is limited by my knowledge and my interest so it's not perfect you can always look at my guest list and look at my subject list and say ye bhi kar sakta tha ye bhi kar sakta tha which is absolutely true and it's not that i'm passing value judgment on the subjects i don't take up i'm just limited by my knowledge and my interests and i just try to stay authentic to myself wait uh, next up we have harsh harsh are you there do you want to go ahead yeah Hi. Uh, hello, Amit. Uh, yeah. This has been a great interview so far, and your podcast has been really amazing in throughout the whole lockdown situation. Uh, my question was that how should uh, how should one try to listen to people on the opposite side of the political spectrum? Given that social media already creates a bubble, and like for example, sometimes when I listen to your podcast, and I am slightly left of center. and you are quite right 
in at least in the economic terms in economics, so I, yeah. yeah 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 in, in the economic terms uh, so sometimes i get very angry while listening to your podcast and sometimes i just delete the podcast because i don't want to listen to it anymore uh, so like i was trying to understand how i should go about trying to listen to the other side yeah i i think you know so arnold kling wrote this great book called the three languages of politics and his point there was that and and he looked at the three tribes in the us which is uh, uh, the progressives the libertarians the conservatives and he said they are often like discourse is so problematic there and so muddied because they are often talking past each other because each of them come from different first principles where progressives will look at equality libertarians will look at freedom uh, conservatives will look at tradition and from there those first principles a lot of what they say is coherent but when they talk to each other they are not taking a, uh, keeping in mind what the other person's first principles and priorities are and therefore they end up talking past each other so um, so i think one good way is to uh, two good things uh, two good ways to sort of um, uh, listen better to opposing views better and one would just be to uh, sort of understand what their first principles are and if they are coming from different starting premises from yours of course they will reach a different position so kind of think about it like that be more understanding don't assume that they are bad people or they are bad thinkers or they are stupid because they've arrived at a position you don't agree with uh, you know uh, that line of reasoning may be equally coherent also uh, you know try to uh, you know think of people as people and try to understand where they are coming from if someone says something you don't agree with uh, you know like when i was much younger my impression was that oh if somebody is against individual freedom they must be a bad person but uh, but that's not necessarily the case they come from different places try and understand them better and so on and so forth and as for being um, uh, as for your being left of center and you, you you don't you get angry at my free market views i just urge you one thing that always when you think of policies and ideas don't think of intentions think of outcomes outcomes are the important thing and if you think of outcomes you will value freedom and individual rights as much as i do uh hey man hey first of all thank you for the opportunity and um um i'd like i mean it, it's i'd have to admit that it sort of feels strange to hear you speak so slow um but again i i would also like to thank you not only for the podcast but for the uh for the show notes as well the amount of information that's there in the show notes and the places it takes us to thank you so much for that uh, my specific question would be that when was the last time that in your course of your podcast talking to all these people that you actually changed your mind about something that you about an idea that you held dear to your heart oh very often very often like uh, and you can actually trace this and regular listeners have so the most uh, sort of interesting way in which that happened was i think episode 115 of the scene and the unseen something around that was with akar patel on uh, uh, he was writing a book then which uh, then came out earlier this year on hindutva and the episode is called the intellectual foundations of hindutva so i expressed to him something which ram guha had also mentioned in a, in an essay earlier for example where he had said that there are no serious thinkers uh uh in india's right wing and my the the way i personally put it was that there is no conservatism in india uh you know whatever intellectual um you know, packaging the right wing comes up with it is really just a cover for their innate bigotry and misogyny that was kind of my view what i realize and akar also agreed and that was amgoha's uh, view in that famous caravan essay what i later realized over a period of time talking with people who had Uh, unlike us english speaking liberals who had ac- un- unlike us english speaking elites rather uh, 
uh, what I realized talking to uh, people who had grown up reading in Hindi was that there was a coherent worldview and uh, it was not a worldview I agreed with. But it was coherent. It had its own body of work, a system of thinking. So if you go back to my episodes with Suya Shrai, the episode I did with Rahul Verma much before this, even the episode, even the fantastic episode I did with Akshay Mukul on his great, great book on the Gita Press. And you realize that there is a coherent strand of thinking. A lot of it is in the languages. A lot of it is people who are not translated to English. Uh, like Karpatri Maharaj and so on. And I disagree with a lot of them. I find a lot of those ideas repulsive, but it exists. It is not the case that it is not there. And as an English speaking elite, uh, you know, speaking to all these people who grew up reading Hindi, grew up reading other languages, I think I developed a little more humility about the limits of my own understanding of this country simply because English is my primary language and I hadn't just kind of read enough. So that both changed my mind on that one particular uh, subject and also uh, over time I've just I've just generally learned to be much more humble because I do change my mind on many things. But here's the thing. Um, you know, I am not rigid, I uh, believe, but I am rigid about the values I hold. So the things that I value are things like individual rights, freedom, the importance of consent, uh, the immorality of coercion. Those are values I hold. I don't deviate from them. But as far as facts are concerned, you know, if you if, if I you know, if I have one view of history and you show me contrary facts, I, I'll change my mind very easily. That's not a problem. So really, so I'm not rigid when it comes to facts, but about my values, I'm pretty fixed. These are sort of my, uh, the, the, the sort of the guiding stars, the load stars, whatever, whatever you call them. Great. Uh, then this is from Daniel. Uh, how do you get access to great guests you host on the show? Did you have a pitch? Uh, did you have to pitch a lot in the initial days? Earlier, you weren't monetizing your content. How did the podcast business economics work out? Uh, yeah, two good questions. Uh, earlier, I would just write to people and see what they said and the, the format of the show was different. I think where we are now, the thing is, I think most people in India are kind of aware. Uh, they know what to expect. In many cases, they want to be on the show. They ask to be on the show. Uh, publishers send me all their books. They want people on the show. Obviously, or, or, of the stuff that they sent, I'll maybe call, you know, 5% or 10% of the people on my show eventually, but it's a good way of discovery as well, because I'm getting all the books that um, come out new. Uh, so reaching out to people really isn't a problem right now. And they've generally heard of the show. And also just when I introduce the show, I talk about the past guests and they can immediately just see the past guest list, the past guest list. And even if they've never heard the show or they don't listen to podcasts, they know that this guy is kosher and whatever. And I'm very upfront about what I'm doing, that these are long form conversations. We're going to talk for four hours. I'm very upfront about all of that. And uh, so far I'm kind of, uh, lucky to have reached the position where I don't have so much of a problem getting guests. If if anything, it's it's choosing from the people who want to be on the show that uh, often uh, sort of becomes an issue. And what I will often do is I will have books lying on my shelves for months and months till I finally call someone on the show. Uh, you know, so there's a long lag between my thinking that hey, this person could be a guest and actually getting down to inviting them. Great. Uh, so last question, Amit. Uh, uh, first is. Uh... How do you decide what should be edited out of an episode? I'm guessing if your episode is say like four hour long, maybe the recording is like four and a half, five hour long. So how do you take that decision? Like, like what should not be included in the podcast? And secondly, if, pot, uh, if Spotify was to come to you and say that let's make seen and unseen a Spotify exclusive podcast, how many millions will you ask them? 
Yeah. So, um, first of all, what do I edit out? Nothing. If you listen to a four-hour episode, it was pretty much four hours. Uh, I, I I like to keep the organic flow of the conversation. I think that is a charm. You know, a lot of people will write in and say that, hey, Amit, I heard your latest episode and I felt I was in your living room and you were you guys were having a conversation in front of me. And I love that. And the, that feel comes because I cut nothing out. There's nothing produced about it in that sense. But I do give every guest the option to tell me if they said something that they won't cut out later. So if they said something they won't cut out later, like a couple of politicians have come on my show, Shashi Tharoor and Salman Soz and uh, JP Narayan's been on my show, Ashwin Mahesh has been on my show of up. Um, so if they if they want uh, to something cut out later, I'll do it. That's a courtesy I uh, uh, offer to all guests. And really pretty much nobody has taken that up, you know. It's so all the conversations you hear is pretty much what there was. And uh, there's really nothing that I cut out. I don't believe in uh, cuttings. I like I'll cut out the ums and the ahs or if somebody stumbles or if a guest says, hey, can you give me a minute? I'll just look up this data. So I'll cut that line out. Right. Uh, but otherwise, I don't cut out any uh, part of the actual uh, uh, conversation per se. And and sorry, what was the second part of your question? If Spotify was to approach you and pitch you that let's make seen unseen a Spotify exclusive podcast, how many millions will you ask them? So here's the so here's the thing. There was a point in time where after uh, I broke with IVM, and there was a point in time where. Um, just the show was earning nothing. It was a mess. And I did, I was pitching a lot of shows to Spotify and in fact to Audible and they completely ignored me. The person at Audible who was there at that time had been hired from Z and she said, I don't podcast, I have Bollywood mein interest hai. And then she said, you interview Aadha Ghanta se zyada kaise ho sakta hai? and she had never heard of Joe Rogan. So I, I kind of say that like Spotify is... Uh, uh, Spotify is Bandra or Audible is Bollywood. Uh, so two sort of different uh, this thing. And I actually at that point told Spotify that if you want the scene and the uh, unseen to be exclusive, I'm open to offers and they didn't want it. So whatever. At this point in time, thankfully, things have turned around so much and I'm doing so well that I don't think there is any figure for which I would make it exclusive to anybody because uh, it, I, uh, it's like a labor of love. I want everybody to listen to it. You know, if somebody doesn't have a particular app and they can't listen, I don't want that. So I am now very clear about this podcast that I am optimizing for reach. Uh, I want everybody to listen to it. Uh, maybe there is some crazy amount at which I might start thinking about it, but I, I don't think that's remotely close to what anybody is going to offer me. So the scene and the unseen is off the table and no, no platform has ever entertained my uh, uh, other ideas, including Hindi ideas, short form ideas. It's, so it's, it's very bizarre to me that foreign companies come in with particular mindsets where either they think that uh, India is all Bollywood and cricket and just get big celeb names and you work with them and that's it. And they don't really go deep into the ecosystem to see what people are actually listening to. Uh, or they can sometimes be staffed by people from a particular set of foreign educated elites who don't get the pulse either, uh, you know, and, and go to some other kind of... Uh, extreme, uh, you know, without specifying what is what. So uh, today I'm at a stage where I've increasingly come to believe that for creators, platforms are irrelevant, that uh, the last few months have been extremely eye-opening for me in terms of understanding that we do not need intermediaries. Creators don't need intermediaries and platforms to reach their audiences or to make money. They can go directly to their audiences and make money directly from their audiences uh, you know, because everybody who reads News Laundry or The Seen and the Unseen is actually paying a price 
for reading news laundry or uh, uh, listening to the seen and the unseen because they are spending time doing it. Time is money. They do it because they value news laundry. They value the seen and the unseen. And as both of us have discovered, they are happy to share some of that value with us directly. We don't need platforms. We don't need intermediaries. Um, so luckily, that brief phase where I was pitching stuff to all these people is like well in the past and will never recur. And I'm so happy that I could kind of figure this out and that I live in these times where it is possible to be a creator, to be independent and to be able to do these things uh, and not have to uh, sort of count out to gatekeepers. Great, great. Thanks a lot, Amit. I did, we're through with all the questions. Uh, thanks for really taking out the time. I think there were a lot of questions by our subscribers. And maybe we can do this again later. We're planning a lot of offline events because News Laundry is completing 10 years. Wow, congratulations. Next year. So we, we are planning these subscriber meetups across India. So maybe I'll be in touch with you for that. Uh, thanks for all the subscribers for tuning in. Uh, uh, if Amit, you have any, I'll, what I'll do is I'll share the podcast recommendations with everyone in case someone has missed out. Uh, so yeah, thanks again. Thanks everyone. Thank you for having me. This was great. And I'm happy to do this anytime you want. I really enjoyed this. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel.